Welcome. In Parshas Korach, in the middle of the story of the rebellion of Korach against Moshe Rabbeinu, we read that Moshe, Rab- <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu sent messengers to speak to Dosen Aviram, who were two of Korach's accomplices, and he wanted to speak to them. In Perak Tezayin Pasikud Base, we read, and Moshe sent, presumably it means he sent messengers, to call to Dasan and Aviram, the children of Eliyav, the sons of Eliyav. He wanted to call them, to, to invite them to a meeting, to try to make peace. And they said, We are not going to go up. We're not going up to meet with you. And in Pasigud Gimel, they, they continue to speak. Hama'at, is it a small thing? That you, Moshe, brought us up from a land that is flowing with milk and honey. They refer to Mitzrayim as a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Mitzrayim was a very good land. It was the, the most... Uh, it was the most powerful and, and, and the most fertile region in the Middle East at the time. So you took us out of a land that is flowing with milk and honey, to kill us in the wilderness. Is that a small thing? And now also, you are going to be you are going to lord it up above us, you're going to order us around? We're not doing it. And they continued to speak in Pasuk Yudalit. Af, and also, loy Not to a land that is flowing with milk and honey have you brought us. You took us out of a place that was flowing with milk and honey, and if you maybe would have brought us to another place that was full of milk and honey, so maybe it wouldn't be such a bad complaint. But you did not bring us to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. We're stuck here in the midbar. Vatiten lono nachlas Now, literally, vatiten lono means, and you gave us an, an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Now, that obviously, in some way, needs to be explained, needs to be interpreted, because Maishu Rabbeinu did not yet present them with an inheritance of sadevechorem, of fields and vineyards. So we will wait for Rashi and other commentators to see how they explain these few words. <coughs> but you took us out of the land of milk and you, you did not bring us to the land of milk and honey, to a land of milk and honey. So will you uh, gouge out the eyes of those people? We will not go up. Here also there's an obvious question, uh, an obvious need for further information. What, what do they, who, to whom are they referring when they say, Ha'anashim ha'im, those people. No other people talking over here. So let's go to Rashi. Rashi, on the first uh, troublesome few words that we mentioned, Batiten lono, you literally, you will give us or you, or you did give us a, an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Rashi says, musav this, the, this phrase of vatit is musav, it is referring back 
to the word lo, which is stated above. The second word of the Pasuk is lo, not. And they said, you did not bring us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And now Rashi says the word lo has to be, uh, it is implied again. You have to imagine that it's stated again. Lo, vatitemono. And not did you give to us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. And Rashi says, Klaimar, this means to say, you did not bring us to the good land, and you did also did not give us uh, an inheritance of fields and vineyards. So you didn't do anything for us. You took us out of a land, Egypt, which was flowing with milk and honey, and what did we get instead? We got, we got nothing. We didn't even go to another land that was equally good. And even if maybe we would have come to an inferior land, but at least we would have had our own inheritance of Sadeh v'chorim, but you didn't. You didn't give that to us. You'll notice that Rashi uses the word kloimar. I've said a number of times, when any time Rashi or any of the, any of the generally speaking, any of the Mephoshim, when they say kloimar, kloimar means as if to say, meaning that the exact words of the text don't really, if you'll translate them literally, they don't really give you the meaning. You have to interpret. You have to say, yes, the literal translation is X, but the the intent really is Y. The intent is something else. So Rashi is right here admitting that uh, this interpretation is uh, certainly not so simple. It's the best he can do. He feels it's correct, but, but it's, it's stretching the, the words of the text a little bit. Now, uh, one might have thought that, uh, okay, that, that should be the end of Rashi. But Rashi continues. I mean, it seems like we have a complete thought here, of uh, a, a complete picture of the, of the complaint of Dasin Vaviram. You took us away from a very good land, you did not bring us to a good land. You didn't give us an inheritance even in a second-rate land. So, uh, so we're against you. Now, but Rashi continues. Amar Talonu, you said to us, way back in Egypt, you said to us, I will bring you up from the uh, poverty of Mitzrayim to a good land, v'goymer, etc. Misham hoitzei sanu, from there you took us out, but you did not bring us to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Ella, rather, rather you decreed upon us to kill us in the Midbar. Following the, the uh, Miraglim, following the, the incident of the Miraglim, you were goyzer upon us, you decreed upon us to kill us all in the Midbar. That you said to us, Midbar hazeh yiplu figrechem. In this uh, in this wilderness, your corpses will fall. Uh, parenthetically, you notice here that um, Koirach blames everything on Moshe Rabbeinu, even things that are not in Moshe Rabbeinu's hands. Ale eschem If you'll look at the pasuk there in Shemais, that was not Moshe Rabbeinu speaking. That was a sh- I mean, it was not Moshe Rabbeinu saying something on his own. That was HaKadosh Baruch who's speaking. And this that it says, 
Also, that's not Moshe Rabbeinu speaking, that's the Kodesh Baruch who's speaking. But Korach blames everything on Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's continue. <clears throat> Will you gouge out the eyes of those men? Rashi says, <clears throat> Even if you will send a message to gouge out our eyes, <clears throat> if we don't come up to, to meet you, <clears throat> we're not going. <clears throat> and what does it mean, those men? Who, which men are they talking about? Rashi says, This is like a person who hangs his curse on his friend. Meaning when you're mentioning something terrible that might happen to you, so there's a style of speaking that you don't want to speak about yourself. You don't want to talk about something terrible happening to you yourself. So you say that terrible thing could happen to somebody, to some other person. So when they said, that you'll gouge out the eyes of those men, they really meant us. But they didn't even want to utter the words about someone gouging out their own eyes. This is the Rashi. I'd like to bring up four questions, or if they're not all exactly questions, but four points to consider. First of all, Rashi's interpretation of the words, vati tenlonu, and you gave us, an inheritance of uh, fields and vineyards. And Rashi says that it means you have to attach to it the word lo, which is earlier in the Pusik. That is very, um, very unusual. You almost never find the word lo attached to this kind of verb. We've discussed in the past, there, there are um, two kinds, uh, two basic forms of the past tense in Lashon Kodesh, in the language of the Torah. For example, if we take the verb to give, so the most common form of to say uh, he gave would be vayitain. Um, you take really the, the future tense of, of giving, which is yitain, which you put a vav in front of it, vayitain. So that's called the vav hamahapech, and vayitain means and he did give. If you're saying you you gave, if you're talking in the second person. So you start with the, the future form of titain, you will give, but you put a vav in front of it, vatitain, like we have in our Pasik. vatitain means you did give. There's also the, the other basic form of the past tense, which is nosan. Uh, nosan would be the same for nosan is he gave, and nosati would be I gave, and Nasna, she gave. In almost every place in the Torah where there is a negative statement, you will find that the Torah uses the second form of the past tense. Why exactly that is, that's a question from perhaps another time. But if you'll open your eyes and, and look, in almost every single case, whenever it says low, it will then use the what I call the simple past tense. Nasan, Amar, Shamar. Shamarti, Shamru. When it uses the Vav HaMahapich form of the past tense, it's, I can't think of another example where it is attached to the word Lo. I mean, it, it really is, it just doesn't sound right to us. Say Lo Vatitan Lanu? You don't find Sukim like that. It just does not seem to be the, the form of Lashon Kodesh like that. 
So this explanation that Rashi gives, that vati tenlanu really means the low vati tenlanu, and you did not give to us, that is highly unusual in the grammatical sense. Point number two. We really mentioned this point already. Once Rashi says that lo, vatit, and lono go together, then Rashi starts quoting a Pasuk from Sefer Shemois, that Kodesh Baruch Hu told them, I will bring you out of Mitzrayim to a good land, uh, but you took us out of there, but you didn't bring us to the, to the good land. That whole second part of Rashi seems to be superfluous. It would seem that you could have done without that. Point number three, if you go to the Rashi, Dibr HaMaskel, tinaker, will you gouge out the eyes of those men? Now, Ha'ene, that he, with the Nakuda, um, uh, with a Pasach under the he, rather than a Komatz, it's not Ha'ene, but Ha'ene, that is called the he hatmiya. That is a questioning he. The ha stands for a question. Okay. So in English, you'd have to say, will you gouge out the eyes of these men? Rashi sticks in here a word which doesn't seem to be in the Pusik. He says, afilo, even if you will send to gouge out our eyes. That seems to be an addition that Rashi has made and um, that, that, is, that is troublesome. The Mizrahi raises this point. He says, where do we find that a hey, that a hey atmiya, that the hey of wonderment or of, or of questioning indicates afilu. And the last point to ponder is also, we really mentioned it already, is that Rashi is uh, stretching the, the literal meaning of the Pasuk a little bit. The Dosan and Aviram said, Ha'anashim ha'heim. They spoke about someone coming to gouge out the eyes of those men. Rashi says it really means themselves. So these are four points to consider. These are certainly four points where Rashi, um, he asserts himself and he, and, he, and he says something that uh, perhaps others might not have said. But he is taking a position in these four places. In order to appreciate just how much Rashi is asserting himself and how much he is, how much interpretation he is applying to this Pusik and not just paraphrasing it and, and going, going ahead to the next Pusik, <clears throat> I'd like to examine one of the other Mepharshim who explains this Pusik quite differently and I think circumvents all four of the issues that, that Rashi discusses. He gets around all of the troublesome little points that we noticed in Rashi. <clears throat> Rabbi Avadya Svarno, who lived uh, a good few hundred years later than Rashi, explains the Pasuk as follows. Af loyal Eretz, you did not bring us to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Vati tenlanu, and you gave us. That literally, vati tenlanu, would mean you did give us, not you did not give us. So Svarno explains, it's not enough uh, that you dealt badly with us, that you, that you brought us out of a land, Egypt, which was flowing with milk and honey, El Amidbar, and you brought us out into the Midbar. That's not enough. 
but also you are joking with us, you are teasing us, you're, you're playing with us. You did not bring us to the land that you spoke about. But your words that you use are as if you had given us this inheritance of fields and vineyards. Not only did you not bring us to the land that you promised, but you make believe that you did. You, you mock us by talking as if you already had given it to us. Why? Where do we see that? When you commanded us those mitzvahs that depend on Eretz Yisrael, so it's like you're mocking us. You're saying, ah, you don't have the land yet. Ha ha. Via Marta, and you said, you said, for example, do not cut the last corner of your field. That's the mitzvah of Peah. And um, a little leftover undeveloped grapes in your vineyard you shall leave for the poor. There are really many examples. Most of the, uh, almost all of the mitzvah satsluyas ba'aretz have already been commanded in the Torah before we get to this parsha. So ke'ilu kvar shalana, you talk as if it was already ours. And we already had in it fields and vineyards. That's a, that you're, you're, you're mocking us, you're, you're, you're teasing us with that. So according to Svarno, the, the, the meaning of the words vati ten lono is you act as if you had given it to us. It doesn't mean like Rashi says, you did give it to us. You, you did not give it to us. It means vati ten lono, you, you talk as if you had already given it to us. And that's an insult because really we didn't get it yet. Let's continue. Will the eyes of those men, will you gouge them out? The Svarno says, Do you think to gouge out our eyes in such a way that we will not recognize your tachbulois, your, your, your mechanisms and your, your plots and your tricks? In other words, you think you're fooling us. You think we don't see? You're standing there and you're commanding us to do mitzvahs. You're telling us that we have to do certain mitzvahs in the land of Israel and we didn't get it yet? You think we don't, we, we think we don't see through this? That's how Svarno explains the Pasuk. Now let's, let's go back to our four points that we made in Rashi and let's see how Svarno answers all of these points. How he, he circumvents them, he gets around them. First of all, we commented, we, we noted in Rashi that the words vatit and lono, which would seem to be, would seem to have the translation of you did give us, but Rashi says it means lo vatit and lono, which is grammatically very unusual. Svarno does not explain it that way. Svarno says vatit and lono means you did give us, not that you literally gave us, but you act as if you did give it to us. So we, according to Svarna, we don't have this problem that somehow we're attaching the word lo to the verb vatit and lono, which grammatically is very unusual. Number two, we, we asked on Rashi, why does he get all involved in this Pusik? Allah eschem onim itzrayim. He brings in a Pusik from Shemos. Why does he do that? What is he adding with that Pusik? Of course, the Svarno does not mention that Pusik. So obviously that problem he circumvented. Number three, we asked on Rashi, 
Rashi says, Rashi says, even if you'll gouge out our eyes, we're not going up to you. We're not going to go talk to you. Svarno does not put in the word afilo. And he explains, he explains the words differently. He says, Do you think that you can gouge out our eyes in such a way that we won't notice your plots, that we won't notice your, your methods, your, your evil methods of, of, not even giving us, of not giving us the land and yet mocking us as if we have it already? And that, so he's not putting in a word of filo over here, the way Rashi does. He's avoiding that problem of having to insert a word, of having to say that the word of filo is implicit. And number four, we asked on Rashi that it's, uh, it's, not, it's not impossible, but it's very interesting that according to Rashi, the phrase ha'anoshim ha'heim, will you gouge out the eyes of those men, really means us men, dosen vaviram. Rashi says, it's ka'odam ha'toyle kilolase b'chavera. It's like somebody who mentions a curse about himself, but he doesn't want to really say it about himself, so he talks as if it's happening to someone else. The Svarno circumvents, he avoids that problem. Because according to Svarno, first of all, it's not really a curse according to him. According to Svarno, when they say, will you gouge out their eyes, it means, do you think you have done such a thing? Do you think that we're blind? And secondly, they're not only talking about themselves, they're really talking about the whole Klai Yisrael. So instead of saying, ha'ene, Ha'enenu, instead of saying our eyes, they included the rest of Klai Yisrael by saying Hanoshim Ha'em. According to Rashi, they're only talking about themselves. They're saying, we're not going up, we're not going to go meet with you, even if you threaten to, tear, to gouge out our eyes. He was talking to them, and they're talking about themselves. They're answering. But according to Svono, this phrase, is not only doesn't Vaviram talking specifically about themselves. They're talking about everyone. And therefore, it, I think it, it comes out easier, it makes more sense that they would not say Ha'enenu, because if they would say Ha'enenu, our eyes, you might think it just means their own four eyes. But Ha'enenu, the eyes of those people, that refers to everybody in the Jewish nation. So we see here from Svarno, certainly the possibility of explaining this Pusik very differently, and in such a way that all four points that we raised about Rashi would not be problematic at all. The obvious question that arises is, is that if uh, Svorno's uh, comment, if his interpretation is so good, if it circumvents all of the four sticky points that we found in Rashi, why didn't Rashi explain like that? And I think if we go back and we look at all four points, we can understand that although Sforno is a very, uh, a very good interpretation, but in each little instance, each little, each little assertion that he takes, there is room to disagree, especially for Rashi. Sforno interprets that vatitem lonu, nachla sada v'chorem, is you act as if you had given us the land, an inheritance in the land. Because even though we haven't come to the land, but, but you uh, have commanded to us the mitzvahs that we have to do, 
when we're in the land. So that, and that, that they found to be insulting. That, that's a mockery. Well, that's, that's very interesting. I, I, I happen to like that interpretation very much. But that's also grammatically very unusual. Vatit and lano, the simplicity of the words vatit and lano, is, as we discussed before, titain is lushan hasid, that's a future tense, but you put the vav in front of it, it becomes past. It means you did give us, not you act as if you gave us. You, you don't usually find verbs like that in the Torah. You act as if. I, I, wouldn't even, I don't even know exactly how, how one would phrase that in biblical Hebrew. But certainly every time you find in the, in the Torah uh, a past tense verb, you, you don't say it means uh, the, the actor acted as if that happened. It means the person, or Hashem, did it. So Rashi it doesn't have to apologize for saying that vatit and lono means you did give. The only problem is they really, Hashem, Hashem and Moshe really did not yet give them the land. So it means lo vatit and lono. You have to go back to the word lo earlier in the Pasuk, and it really means you did not give. That's the complaint of Dasan Vaviram. It is a, uh, maybe not a legitimate complaint, but it, but it is, it is logical. They're saying, hey, uh, you know, you promised us something and, and you, didn't, you didn't give it to us yet. You didn't, uh, you didn't pay up. So that's point number one. If, in addition, staying on this one point, if we go through Rashi starting from the beginning of the Parsha, we will see that Korach's basic complaint against Moshe is that Moshe's decisions are personally biased. He, he, took, he, he appointed himself the king, and he appointed his own brother Aaron to be the, the Kayan Gadol, and um, he appointed a nephew, Eli Safan, to be in charge of the B'nai Kahos, rather than, uh, rather than Korach, who was in the family there. The basic complaint of Korach is that Moshe is personally biased. This complaint that, that Svarno understands, that this complaint that Svarno sees in the Pasuk is of a very different nature. This complaint that uh, you told us to do mitzvahs that depend on Eretz Yisrael, but you didn't give us Eretz Yisrael yet. That, that is a whole different category of complaint. And perhaps Rashi didn't, uh, didn't want to, to interpret that there's a whole different kind of complaint over here. It, it, it breaks the pattern of all the other complaints. Okay. Point number two is that Rashi, after explaining the words vatit and lono, and he explained that it really means lo vatit and lono, you did not give it to us. Rashi then introduces a Pasik in Sefer Shemais that Hashem said, I'll take you out of Mitzrayim to a good land. And us and Vaviram say, you took us out, but you didn't give it to us. Instead, you said, you, you, you decreed that we should die in the Midbar. And we raised the question, why is Rashi bringing in this Pasuk at all? And I think the explanation is like this. Now that, now that Rashi has explained that what Dasan Viaviram mean to say when they said Vatit and Lono is, you did not give us the land. Rashi, uh, against the temptation of explaining it like like Svarno or some other explanation, there's also another explanation that Ibn Ezra gives, but against those uh, quote-unquote temptations, Rashi explains those words to mean, you did not give us the land. 
Now, Rashi had a question on himself. What exactly is the complaint that you didn't give us Eretz Yisrael? Maybe taking them out of Mitzrayim is, is sufficient. Who, who says they deserve to have a land? What's the complaint? So Rashi quotes a Pesach in Sefer Shemais that, no, Hashem did promise to give them the land. See, standing on its own, this complaint that Rashi, the way Rashi has interpreted the complaint, you did not give us the land. Well, who, who says everybody, uh, you should be maybe happy that you left Mitzrayim? Who says you get a land? So Rashi quoted the Pesach in Shemais that the land had been promised to them, and they're complaining we didn't get it. This basic approach is, uh, is given by Rabbi Eliyahu Mizrahi. Let's go to point number three. Dosim v'aviram say, ha'ene ha'noshem ha'hem tenaker, and Rashi inserts the words, the word afilu, even if you're going to send a messenger to gouge out our eyes. We're not going. We mentioned that the Mizrahi uh, asks, why is, why is Rashi inserting this word afilu? Which word in the Pasuk corresponds to afilu? The Gur'arya explains that the hey, ha'ene, what we call the hey, ha'tzmiya, can, can mean if. For example, uh, we find in, in, in Sefer Bracious, uh, when, the, when the sons of Yaakov go down to Mizraim and they meet this uh, ornery fellow named uh, Safnas Paneach, who was the viceroy of Egypt and really their brother Yosef, but they didn't know it. What did he say? What is one of the first things he said to them? He said, Ha'od lachem of. Do you still have a father? Is your father still alive? If your father is still alive. So the ha is like if. Now, if, if the ha means if, then you might interpret as follows. You might say that they meant if you send a messenger to, ga- if you send a messenger to gouge out our eyes, then we're not coming up to you. But if you don't, then we will come up to you. Now, that, that's, that doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're going to send somebody to punish us, to gouge out our eyes, we're not going. We're not going to go talk to you. And if you don't, we will talk to you. So therefore, Rashi inserts the word afilu. Afilu, in fact, does not correspond to any particular word in the Pasuk. But it's something that ha- you have to say is implied. They meant to say, even if you send somebody to gouge out our eyes and to punish us very severely like that, we're not going. And finally, why does Rashi say, Ha-noshim ha-heim? They said, if, you'll, um, if you will gouge out the eyes of those men, and Rashi says it really means us. Now, Svarno says, that it means, do you think that you've blinded all of us, meaning all of Kalal Yisrael, with your trickery? That's how he interprets. Which, of course, circumvents the, the issue. It, it gets around the problem that we had with Rashi. According to Svarno, Ha'anoshimahim refers to all of Kalal Yisrael. Since they're not all there at this meeting between Dasan Vaviram and Moshe's Shliach, so they're referred to as those people. But Rashi, according to Rashi, Rashi couldn't explain like that. Because according to Rashi, you never find an accusation against Moshe Rabbeinu of trickery. That is never the, the theme 
of the complaints of Dasan Vaviram or of Korach himself. The complaint is never that you're, you're faking it with us. According to Svarno, that, that is exactly what this Pasuk is claiming. That is exactly what they are claiming in this Pasuk. You're telling us to do mitzvahs at Tzliyas Ba'aretz. You don't even mean that because you, you didn't give us the land. You, you think that we don't notice that we don't have the land yet. You, you, think, you're, you think you gouged out our eyes. You think that you're, you, you, you made us blind and we don't know. But according to Rashi, that's not the point of the Pasuk. And that's not the point of any psukim. So therefore, Rashi had to understand that means even if you threaten us. According to Svarno, it means, do you think that you did this? Ha ha ha, we see through you. But according to Rashi, that can't be the pshat. Because according to Rashi, there's never such a complaint against Moshe Rabbeinu that he's, that he's faking, that he's trying to trick people. According to Rashi, as we said before, the accusation is always you're biased. You you give all the good you give out all the goodies to your to your to your family, and you don't spread it around, and you just do things because you want to do them, but not because you're dishonest, not because you're 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 making yourself seem like something you're not. That's not the complaint. So according to Rashi, Rashi could not say. He could not explain this, this Pasuk the way Svarno says. He has to understand that it means <clears throat> they're referring to a threat. They're saying, even if you threaten and, you, and you, you threaten to gouge out our eyes, we're not going. That means they have to be talking about themselves. They're talking about, they are the ones that were requested to go appear before Meshur Abeno. And they're saying, we're not doing it, even if you gouge out our eyes. So Rashi says, why did they say, Ha'anoshim Mahim? Because that's like, it must be, they really mean themselves, but that's a very uncomfortable thing to say about yourself, to even think about it, the idea of someone gouging out your eyes. So they said, even if you gouge out the eyes of of those guys, but they really meant themselves. So Rashi Lashita Sai, if we follow Rashi from the beginning of this comment to the end, we will see that everything he said he had to say, and one thing follows the other. One question that, that remains to be answered, in, according to Rashi's interpretation, is that if, if, if Dasim Aviram are saying, even if you threaten us with some terrible punishment, we're not going. Why did they choose to talk about the punishment of gouging out of the eyes? What about even if you threaten to punch us in the teeth? Even if you threaten to chop off our heads? There are many different uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible things that could happen to a person. Why didn't they talk about those? Why did they choose gouging out their eyes? Perhaps, and this is a perhaps, this is theoretical, Perhaps part of um, the, the mistake of Korach and Dasan Vaviram and all the people who followed them is that they thought that Moshe Rabbeinu demands blind obedience. They, they couldn't understand some of the decisions that Moshe made. So they said to themselves, oh, you mean we just have to obey blindly? We don't want to do that. That was a mistake. But that's what they were saying. 
even if you blind us, literally, even if you gouge out our eyes, even if you literally make us blind, we're not going to blindly obey you. We're not just going to do whatever you say as if we don't see and we don't understand and, and we have no idea, so we better just follow you. We're not doing that. Now, that's a mistake, because that's not what Moshe Rabbeinu was asking for. What was Moshe Rabbeinu asking for? On what basis did he and HaKadosh Baruch Hu expect and demand that people listen to him? Well, this is discussed by the Rambam in Hilchas Yusayde Atera, Perikhes Halacha Aleph. Let, let's learn a little bit of Rambam. These are, this is such an important little passage in the Rambam. The Rambam says, Moshe Rabbeinu lo yehaminu ba Yisrael mipnei ha'osos she'asa. The, the Bnei Yisrael did not believe in Moshe Rabbeinu because of the signs and wonders, because of the miracles that he performed. He certainly did perform some pretty good miracles, but that's not why we believed in him as a Navi. Shehamamin al someone who believes in a Navi because of signs and wonders, yesh b'li he still has in his heart some doubt. Because perhaps the miracle was done with some sort of magic. Maybe it's all a fake. Ella, rather. Now here we'll skip a little bit, but the Ramah says, All of the signs and, and wonders and miracles that Meshur Benu did in the Midbar, he did them according to the needs of the moment. Not to bring a proof to his prophecy. When it was time, when it was necessary to drown the Egyptians, so Moshe Rabbeinu split the yam. When, it, when the Bnei Yisrael needed food, Moshe Rabbeinu brought down the mun. When, it was, uh, when they were thirsty, he hit the rock and the, and the water came out, and so on. Every miracle was done to fulfill a certain, a certain uh, need at the time, but not to prove that he was a Navi. So the Rambam continues, And in what did they believe him? Meaning, what was the basis of their belief in Moshe Rabbeinu? That all came from the Mamed Har Sinai, from the great assembly and experience at Har Sinai. Our eyes saw, not the eyes of any other person, our own eyes saw, our own ears heard, and not anyone else's, meaning we experienced personally, not by, by report from someone else. What did we experience? Every Jew standing at Har Sinai saw the fire, the, the voices, the sounds, the, the torches, and he, Moshe Rabbeinu, and only he, approached the, the, the mist, the cloud on Har Sinai, and the voice of Hashem was speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu, and we heard, and what did we hear? Moshe, Moshe. We heard Hashem say to Moshe, 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 Lech emor lehem kach v'kach. Go tell the Jews such and such. And so it says in the Pasuk, Panim bifanim diber Hashem imachem. That Hashem spoke to you, Panim el panim. Panim bifanim, face to face. Now, the Rambam is interpreting 
that that doesn't mean that every mitzvah, that every in every every statement that Hashem made at Har Sinai, we actually heard, because that's that's not supported by the text of the Torah. The Torah is quite clear that a Kaddish Baruch who spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Rambam is understanding that we did hear a Kaddish Baruch who calling to Moshe Rabbeinu. We saw the fire and the smoke, and we saw this fantastic spectacle, and we saw Moshe Rabbeinu alone was able to go up there, and we heard a Kaddish Baruch who saying, Moshe, I'm going to tell you some things now that you will repeat to Klai Yisrael. That we did hear. V'nemar, and it also says a Pasuk, not with our forefathers did you um, make this covenant. Now, that's why we believe in Moshe Rabbeinu, because as an entire congregation, as an entire nation, we saw how, and we saw and we heard how Kodesh Baruch Hu speaks to him. Uminayin, the Rambam continues, and from where do we know? Shemimamed Hasinai Levado. From where do we know that it is from Mamed Har Sinai, from that experience at Har Sinai alone, that that is the one proof to Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy, that it is true and that there is no doubt about it. Shenemar, as it says, says in a Pesach, Hashem said to Moshe, Behold, I am going to come to you in the... A cloud of the, the the cloud that is on Har Sinai, Bavur Yishma in order that the people will hear when I speak to you. Interesting. Not that I will speak to them directly, not that I will speak to you and then you'll go tell them what I say. They will hear how I speak to you. And then in you they will believe forever. That's a Pasik. Miklal, so we can deduce from this pasuk, shekoydim dover ze loyhe aminu by neemanus shehi imedes liyolam. Before this pasuk, before this maimed har Sinai, <clears throat> even though that Moshe Rabbeinu had done some wonderful things already, but they did not yet believe in him with a neemanus shehi imedes liyolam, with a trust that stands forever. Ella. Even after Kriyas Yamsuf and other miracles, they only believed in Moshe Rabbeinu with a sort of a belief that still can carry after it, that, that could still afterwards be some doubt and some thought as to whether it's for real. But when they heard a Kodesh Baruch Hu speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai, even though they didn't hear all the content, it sounds like from the Rambam, but they heard how Kodesh Baruch Hu speaks to him. At that point, they said, yes, this man is a Novi. God speaks to this man, and whatever he says comes from Hashem. Not blind obedience, not just, well, we, we don't know why, but, we, but he's the boss, we got to listen to him. That perhaps was what Korach thought, and he rebelled against that thought. In a certain sense, he's right to rebel against that thought. You, you, you can't live like that. But to say, but, but to know that a certain person is enough, you know it, you saw it. You, you, you are your own testimony that this person is a prophet of Hashem. You know it by personal experience. Then, okay, now whatever he says, I trust. That's not blind. I'm not trusting in him blindly. I'm trusting in him because, because I know he is someone to be trusted. So perhaps this is 
with this we can understand why Dasan Vaviram mentioned Will you gouge out our eyes? Meaning, we're not going for this business. We're not just listening to you. And even if you blind us, metaphorically and even literally, we're still not listening to you because we don't believe in blind obedience. They're right. We don't believe in blind obedience. We believe in obeying the words of Meshur because we know that they are words of prophecy.